In this series, we have some pretty frank discussions about topics including race, sexuality, and violence. Some of the content and the language may be triggering. Being with Jesse and being an actor is going to help me out. He already ha helped me get the stand-in role, so uh, he could help me out in acting. Acting is not so much, I mean, it is you being able to act, but a lot of the times, and with any occupation, it's who you know that will get you through the doors. You staying in the door may through your own merit and hard work, but getting into the door has to do with who you know a lot of the time. So me being associated with Jesse, I knew uh, would help me. Yes, I'm not dumb and wouldn't know that. So uh, doing that, I was like, okay, whatever. This is what he likes doing. Okay, well, let's, let's go. Let's go to the bathhouse. I have a quick question for my brother, real quick. You usually tell me about everything, but you didn't tell me y'all ever went to these bathhouses. I'm Charlie Webster. This is Attacking Jussie, the Oshundairo brothers story. We talked a bit about when the charges were dropped, but then Jesse gave that statement when he mentioned about he wouldn't be his mother's um, son if he was lying. Because of that, it opened up more doors to another investigation. A retired judge, Sheila O'Brien, then went to the courts and petitioned the court to then try Jesse again. When did you get notified about that? Did you think it was left alone now? at that stage? At that time, we didn't know what was going to happen. We know she petitioned the court, and it was, uh, I know they were gonna have a court hearing to see if uh, they were gonna move forward with appointing a special prosecutor. So when she uh, petitioned the court, it was to appoint a special prosecutor, which as we know, now know that that ended up happening. But at that time, we were just in limbo. We didn't know what to think. Uh, the charges have been dropped. Uh, if they did appoint a special prosecutor, that's just the first step. But that would be, I guess, a relief to us a bit because with the charges dropped, like I said, there was no explanation why the charges were dropped. Yeah. So we were placed in a bad light. Like, man, there's something up with them Nigerian brothers. Maybe they weren't telling the truth. Right. Yeah, it definitely did give me a glimmer of hope uh, once um, the special prosecutor came in and started doing more investigations. And then when were you informed that Jesse was going to be in court? We heard along with everybody else. Yeah, we weren't. Really? Yeah, yeah, it wasn't we no special. It wasn't, oh, yeah, yeah they yeah. didn't tell us separately or anything. Mm -hmm. So when everyone else found out is when we found when we out. we found out, yeah. How did that affect you, that this still was going on in your life? I was happy about it. I was happy that our truth was going to be able to come out. We was going to have our day in court, and people were going to 
be able to understand exactly what happened and it's funny because people still don't understand <laughs> exactly what happened but um it was a first step it was definitely a first step what were the next steps when you were told that you were going to be taking the stand and you were going to be part of the trial my brother and i had to meet with the special prosecutor and go over what happened prepare to take the stand it was um pre-trial prep i think it was like twice a week very tedious we'll be in there for like six hours plus yeah six hours six plus, plus and how day. long did that go on for and this was like two to three weeks before the trial Shit, maybe even longer. Yeah, maybe it was different. Longer. Yeah, yeah. It was a lot of time that we spent with the special prosecutors. What was that like sitting in a room for six hours and being prepped? Tedious, tiring, annoying, taking away from my day. Yeah, it was mentally tough because yeah. to keep focus, to keep saying the same things going over back and over, over again. Yeah. Going back over the same thing over and over and over again. Because Dan Webb, he's a huge lawyer. You feel me? He's represented uh, Bill Gates, um, the United States against Iran or some some bullshit like that. So he's a big-time lawyer. So when they do stuff, they make sure that it's going to be as perfect as it can be. So... They weren't holding holding back at all. So it was Dan Webb was the one that prepped you and his partner, Sam Mendenhall, prepped me for trial. What is the purpose of them doing the pre-prep for the trial? The purpose is to practice. It's like a mock trial. It's right. like to rehearse uh, what, how the trial is going to go. You understand. So all the questions that they're going to ask us, they ask us during this prep time. They're asking us all the questions and making sure we're on the same accord, taking us through the whole night the actual fake attack happened and just asking. And they also do a cross-examination where they act as if they're the defense and they ask us questions that they think that the defense is going to ask us. Right. Was there anything that, you were asked on the stand in the actual trial that surprised you? Absolutely not. No, nothing. There are some things that we thought they were going to ask that they didn't. I think something that they did not ask about that we thought they were going to ask about was the paraphernalia that they found at my family's residence. They didn't ask about that during the trial. I was surprised. What was it? Um, it was like a, some residue of cocaine, maybe a little weed. Yeah, but the, the amount was... Insignificant. Insignificant. Yeah, it was barely nothing. It was like just a powder on the bag type of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. How did you think that would be used against you? Um, so what they were saying was we used that to get... Uh, immunity deal because the police were threatening us with that saying they will lock us up because of that so we got an immunity deal to protect ourselves from that case 
which we never did get an immunity deal. That was never an option, never a thought uh, that we, I mean, I guess my brother. Yeah, I did. I did. I asked um, Gloria about an immunity deal when we are at the uh, jailhouse. I did ask her about it, but she shot me down immediately and told me we wouldn't need it. Why did you ask about immunity? Um, because I didn't know exactly how everything was going to play out. I just didn't know the, I didn't know the law. So I just didn't, I just wanted to make sure that we were protected against anything. Understand that might have happened. Yeah. So, I, didn't, I didn't know like if we were in any trouble. So I just wanted to make sure we were good. Right. Were they your drugs? Um, no, they weren't. And so to confirm, you weren't given any type of immunity deal, plea deal. Promise nothing. Yeah. Police did not promise us. Nobody promised us. And we did not sign any immunity deal. And they could check the records. Right. That's a record you could easily check. So if the police really want to come out right now and charge us, they could if they wanted to. Right. What was it like the night before the trial? Shit, the night before the trial, I believe I was coming back from training in Atlanta. So I had went to Atlanta to go get some training, sparring, uh, before my national tournament. So my national tournament was from, I believe, December 5th through the 11th. And right before the trial began, which was like the first or second or something like that, I was in Atlanta, so I was just traveling. Everything was just happening fast. So there was a lot going on for me. Me, on the other hand, I was chilling. I was sitting back at the crib, choosing my outfit for court, making sure I was fly, swagged out, and just getting ready for the next day, getting a good night's rest. Did you feel nervous? I wasn't. I was not nervous. I was ready to get it over with. The next morning, you got up to go to the trial. Can you talk us through what that was like? How did that feel? Yeah, so we wake up, get to the courthouse. Um, we meet Gloria at uh, Popeye's that's next to the courthouse. So we can all walk in together. Um, because as we're walking in, there's a bunch of media, media everywhere, cameras everywhere just surrounding us. Um, we do a quick prayer before we enter the courthouse, all of us holding hands, pray real quick. Then we enter the courthouse. They make us go through the... They search us, yeah, metal search detector. Us, metal detector you can't all have that. your phone in there. Inside the courthouse, there's uh, more press. Pop, yeah, press. More press just lined up, ready to try to access questions. We just walk right past them and go up to the actual courts, and they put us in a room. They don't allow us to sit inside the courthouse during the proceedings. We're not allowed to sit. We weren't allowed to sit there, sit inside the courthouse during the proceedings at all. Witnesses aren't allowed to. So we're sat in a separate room and just waiting our turn to be called to the stand. 
the court case. That was a spectacle to see. Like, I would really wish it was televised because it would have been entertaining for everybody. Because we smoked them. Yeah, it would have been a spectacle. Like, the way we performed was immaculate. What happened to Jesse's defense was... Crumbled. Yeah, yeah, it was crumbled. Um, and it was quite hilarious. Um, I don't want to say somebody crying is hilarious, but it was it, it was funny. It seemed like they were ill-prepared, one. Two, we were like very they just, prepared. Like, like, yeah, like they just got together the night before <laughs> to put his defense together. I was like... Right, like they were just working on a project the night before. And, you I know, was kind of sad for school. the dude. Like, you paid all this money for this? Like, what's going on? Yes, we did have the truth before us uh, in support of us. All we had to do is say the truth. But even when you have the truth, lawyers... They know how to trip you up and make you sound like you're lying and confuse you. They specialize in that. They tried, but it went the other way around. Yeah. We we tripped them up. We tripped them up. They were pissed. They were upset. Uh, they were complaining to the judge. Judge, why don't you make him do this or say that? Judge, like, no, he's a witness. He doesn't have to do it. He's answering your questions. Carry on. So they were pretty upset about it. And our lawyer, the special prosecutors, they were very happy with how we handled it. They were like, wow, you guys are probably the best that we've worked with that has had to come on stand. One of his lawyers ended up crying saying that the the judge uh, lunged at her. The judge <laughs> lunged at her. Lunged at her. Yeah, so I was, I was prepared. I was like, no, nah, they're not going to be able to trip me up. That's just not going to happen. Because I kind of know where, by you asking one question, I know what you're trying to do and where you're going. His lawyer even called us intelligent criminals. That's what he said. Yeah, right? that's the yeah. thing. Intelligent criminals that the jury should not believe us that we're gonna we're gonna go up there and sound convincing and look like we know what we're talking about. But these guys are intelligent criminals. Don't believe them. Yes. And shout out to my mom as well because she had to get up on stand for pretrial. Oh, yeah, that's a good point, too, because Jesse's lawyer, he tried to be our lawyer before he was Jesse's lawyer. Yep. Initially, when we were in he jail. He tried to be all, our lawyer. We, yeah. were, we had conversations, or not us, but our family had conversations yeah, with him. family had conversations with him. So, Uche. His name is yeah, Uche. Nene Uche. Uche. And yeah, he Uche. was uh, Jesse's main lawyer. Yeah. And we had to go to court before... Uh, the actual trial to disqualify him from being Jesse's lawyer. Right. So what the judge did was he didn't disqualify him totally. What he did was made it... So he couldn't um, um, question us. He yeah, directly. Yeah, he couldn't cross-examine us. Exactly. So it was other lawyers that had to cross-examine us instead of him. When did he ask to be your lawyer? When we were in jail. Like, they were, yeah. At the beginning. At the mm -hmm. beginning. At the yeah. beginning. Why didn't he become your lawyer? 
because we had had Gloria at the time. Right, right. We already had Gloria yeah, at the time, and I think he didn't want to. Uh, he didn't want to co-counsel with Gloria. So my mom had to get on stand and testify that this actually happened, and she did a great job. She, I really, um, hats off to my mom. She, she killed it. I don't know whether this is normal practice, but was it a bit strange to then have the lawyer that wanted to be your lawyer originally then go and represent Jesse? It was a little strange. Yeah. Because that's... Coincidental, too. Like, how in the world? That's why the judge disqualified him from cross-examining us because we did give him certain information about us. So that's conflict of interest. My man wanted to get on his case one way or the other. Exactly. We had attorney-client privilege with him. I can't say exactly what we spoke about because that would be uh, taking away the attorney-client privilege, but we did have that with him. So we had to go to court to disqualify him uh, from cross-examining us. Ola, you used the word perform. Did you see it as a performance? It was a performance because you have to be convincing Right. You have to engage with the jury. They teach right. you to look at the jury. So it when is you're kind of answering your questions. When you're answering the questions that they're asking you, you have to You're talking because, to the jury directly and that's what it's like acting. That's what yeah, you yeah. have to engage with your audience to be believable. You can't just be looking down, fiddling your thumbs. Right. Because the jury looking at you, they're gonna be like, Man, this guy's not believable. So what will happen was when anytime they ask me a question, I will turn to the jury and talk to the jury and answer the question to the jury, then turn back to the prosecutor or the defense and listen to their next question. So that's how that worked. And I'll be looking in each jury member's eyes and talking to each of them. And it's training that each both side will tell you. So it's not something that, oh, you're not supposed to do or should be top secret. It's just being uh, human, interacting with humans, uh, if you want to be believable. Did any of the stuff that was thrown at you bother you? Nothing at all. Nothing. Nothing that I can think of. Nope. Not even the accusations that it was to do with the fact that you were a disgruntled lover or that you were Jesse's gay lover because all that ran as headlines. Right, but none of it was true. None of it was true, but even it coming out there in trial, it didn't affect me because I've heard it before. I've heard it so many times before and I've dealt with it before. If it was new, shocking, maybe it might have been shocking, but at the time, I've already heard it so many times, like, come on, man, that you're going to continue that lie? That's old. Why don't you tell him about the time he tried to seduce you, though? When did he try to seduce me? With, with, with the m- massage. You don't remember that? No, but this is later on. This is right before the attack. Okay. This is right before. We ain't going with- in order. <laughs> <laughs> she asked specific questions. Is it okay if he talks about the time yeah, Jesse tried to seduce to. him with a massage? So we were at his house, and this was after a night of partying. 
And this actually came to my defense and how you can tell that I didn't have a sexual relationship with Jesse, uh, which he tried to say I did, or in the media it was made out to say, oh, he had sexual relationships with Jesse. So in text messages, you could see that that I have and that the police had, you could see that Jesse had asked me if I wanted a massage, that he ordered a masseuse to give a massage to two people. So then he wanted me to come to his room to get a massage. And I said, nah, I'm good. I don't want a massage. And the reason why I said that is because I knew what what that meant or what he was trying to do. I'm not going to go to a room and you're trying to do something sexually with me. It's a male massaging you. And I know the dude, the masseuse, was attracted to you or you had, you had done things with that masseuse before. And I wasn't down with that to do that. So I wasn't going to go. I said, no, nah, I'm good. Did you feel like he felt that way towards you then? Because how did you know that that was seduction and he wasn't just inviting you around for a massage? Nah, the time of the night. What he wrote to me in the text message also right after, he said, this dude is sucking my dick so good. So if that's not sexual, I don't know what is, you know. <laughs> so, and that goes to show you how close we were and uh, how open I am as a person for him to openly say that to me. Did he always send you messages like that? Was it kind of guy talk or was it to flirt with you? I don't think it was to necessarily flirt with me, but I think he was trying to see where I was at as a person or in my sexuality, definitely. Do you think he liked you like that? Who doesn't? Yeah, of course. I believe he was attracted to me. Yeah, it's hard not to be attracted to me. Uh, personality, we're not even gonna talk about the looks because the looks just blows people out the water. But personality-wise, I'm, I'm a very genuine uh, person and easy to get along with. Uh, he's all right, he's all right. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think he was uh, attracted, yes. But that didn't affect, I still saw him as a friend as a, and as a brother because uh, he never really openly came on to me. There was even a time we was with uh, my friend H, and H is also a gay man. So we were with my friend H, and H did something or said something, and then Jesse was like, nah, man, that's our little brother that we... He was like, nah, he just told H, nah, chill out. So that shows how he wasn't forthcoming or he wasn't uh, just outwardly trying to uh, get on me or to make sexual advances towards me. So what do you think that night was then when he asked you to come over for the massage? A sexual advance. Yeah, but not openly. He was. He said a massage. Yeah, he was, he was playing around it. Yeah. yeah, he was seeing if I was going to, you know, be willing to come and... Take the bait. Yeah, exactly. If he was going to catch a... Bite it out. Catch, catch a... Bite out of that apple. <laughs> catch a, a fish, you know. Maybe he was going fishing. 
So he was testing the water with you? Yeah. Testing yeah. the waters, yeah. And then how did it make you feel that he used that as his defense? It was dirty. I felt like it was a dirty move. Dirty move. Very dirty. Very and dirty move. And he was going along with it too. He even said on the stand that him and my brother kissed and all that. So that was real grimy of him. It made me feel bad because my parents, family, everyone, uh, my sexuality is really, I don't, it's no one's business or people's sexuality is no one's business, but my sexuality was everyone's business when it happened, when it came out. So everyone's saying, oh yeah, I knew this dude was gay. <laughs> like people that were friends or that I went to high school with or college, you know, I always knew this dude was a weirdo or something like that. It, people would say all different types of crazy shit. And thinking back on it, I was at the time, I, I went through a lot of emotions. I was upset. I wouldn't say sad, but I was angry, uh, frustrated, because I couldn't really say anything, couldn't come out to the media and say my side of the story on what really happened. So I guess we have the opportunity now to say what happened, which I'm grateful for. Did mom question it? Nah, my mom never. My mom, I don't know if she asked, oh, did you do anything? No, I don't think so. Nah. Were you concerned about that? About? About your family, what they might feel, how it made them feel? Yeah, because in our culture, it's not a... Uh, it's frowned upon. It's frowned upon, that's true. It's very, yeah, it's frowned upon to be gay. And now people are uh, finding out it's not that you may be yeah, gay. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not common in my country at all. Everything in America is sexualized. Sexual identity and orientation does come up a lot in this conversation, as well as race. And in the documentary, I remember you, you talked to each other about it and Ola, you said, well, I, I'm straight. And then Bola, you said something along the lines of, well, look at me, you know, I don't mind if a man hits on me or a woman hits on me. And then you didn't say anything. So do you, have any differing opinions about sexual identity or orientation? I'm whatever you want me to be, Charlie. I don't want you to be anything other than authentic and genuine. Exactly, and that's just who I am, what I am. Uh, if someone wants to find out, they should come find out. We go somewhere and see what I am and see what way I roll. So you're not going to say? That's, no, that's just what it is. If you want to find out, let's go. Let's go find out. That's how I feel about it. And this dude loves playing games. He loves playing games. He don't like telling, he doesn't like coming out and being. Coming out? Yeah. Coming out and being forward. He wants you to think and think and be mysterious. He thinks he's mysterious. Okay. But yeah, me, on the other hand, um, like I said in the documentary, I'm, I'm straight. I have no problems with anybody or what they want to do with their lives. Even with myself, uh, I'm very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Confident in my sexuality. So there was times I was working in Boys Town as a bouncer and 
it'll be gay pride. And gay pride came right through where we worked. I'll have um, gay dudes come ask me to fill on my chest because I'm a very well-built guy and I'll allow them, you feel me? I'll have no problem with gay dudes grabbing my chest because I know who I am, man. But, and it's my chest. It ain't, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> they might get a sexual kick out of it. I don't know, but. You are very muscular. <laughs> Thank you. So do I look like a better protector than him? It depends if you see protection as physical. I, I, Trojan has good protection. They do. I like Trojan. Finally, talking about Trojan, we actually had, um, we were models once for, uh, for Trojan, um, the condom company uh, for... During... It was Gay, it was gay, gay Pride. Pride. Yeah, yeah, it was Pride, Gay Pride. The Pride Parade in Chicago. Yeah. We were on a float. We were on a float. You were on a float? So we dressed up in a Trojan outfit. We had like little uh, skirts that they wore. Trojan skirts, yeah. Trojan skirts, a shield, sword, and a helmet. And we were passing out condoms to the uh, attendees of the parade. So we were on the float, the Trojan uh, float, and we were either interacting with the crowd and the audience as we went through the neighborhoods of Chicago. Uh, during the it was gay fun. pride parade. Yeah, it was this was fun. like 2017 or something like that, or 16. 16, 2016. Did you yeah. do everything together? For the most part. Yeah, for the for the most for part. The most we part. do a lot of we yeah, did a lot of things together. You seem both very comfortable in your you know, your physicality and your sexuality. Yeah, that's coming down to knowing who you are, you feel me? Having a good foundation. Yeah, and understanding, great parents and great history, knowledge of who you are or who your people were. But no matter what you are or you aren't, it doesn't define. It, it doesn't matter. So why is that being made such a thing? America and sex. America is hooked on sex, and I guess sex sells. And we're capitalists, so. We're going to talk about sex. And why was that used as the headline? As the headline? Well, one, because Jesse put it as the headline. He's the one that said I was his gay lover. So that was a big yeah, part the, of the, the story. Yeah, the media jumped on that. They blew that up. They blew that up. They blew oh, that they up. Oh, they loved that. They yeah. loved that headline. Uh, Jesse's gay lover was at the bathhouse with him at 2 o'clock in the morning. They didn't even say alleged, but they'll say alleged for him. Alleged, uh, he allegedly did that, but they ain't say I was allegedly his gay lover. Yeah, so they just they ran just with run. it. That's crazy, and they ain't even hear from us. Just just because he said it as fact, or he said it, they kept it as fact. They didn't fact check it or anything. And that's the problem with media a lot of the time. Uh, they just hear a headline and want to be first. They don't want to have to be correct, and they don't care about being correct. They care about being first and having a, a soundbite and running with it, which sucks. Why do you think they put allegedly in front of his name and not in front of your names? Classism. He, yeah. he has the power uh, to come after them if he needs to. And uh, he's uh, more famous. Us, we were nobodies. Just Nigerians. To, now we're going to be deported after the case was no over. No rights, no nothing. We're Like mm -hmm. I said, to, to them or to people in general, we're not human. 
We're not real people. We're uh, just characters. Think of like the um those shadowy figures that they used of us um at the beginning when they when the police were saying it was these two figures that did the, think of us like that. Just these two shadowy figures. That's a great depiction. Yeah, of us. One thing that's not really come in the conversation is about class, actually, because it's mainly being discussed as something about race. Do you think that's more relevant to this, actually, and the way you're being treated? Very much so. And the Black Lives Matter organization and how they come out in support of Jesse and not us, I believe that uh, classism does play a big part in it. Even when people say online that, why would Jesse do something like this? He has everything. You better check them Nigerian brothers that could be deported. It was them that the police coerced them to say this because they, they if they don't say it, they're going to be sent back to Africa. So they don't want to go back, be sent back. So they had to follow what the police said. So it's us being low-level mm -hmm. people. And mm -hmm. Jesse being a star with yeah. everything, uh, that's where you can see the classism at play. Mm. So if you had more power through, say, money and celebrity, do you think the conversation would be different? It would be a totally, totally different, different. Yeah. Yeah. So then it doesn't come about skin colour, does it? Well, it can't be. Obviously, it can't be it about can't skin be. colour exactly. because we're, we're black. black. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we are black. Obviously, yeah. We're it's not a race Physically thing. darker than Justin. <laughs> yeah. Physically, you feel me? <laughs> but I don't think it get any darker than me. Shit. So, man, it is not really not yeah. about color. Yeah, it was, it was a class thing. It was most definitely a class thing. And there was a lot of talk in the media about, and his defense about going to the bathhouses. Was that something that you regularly did? We went there about three times. And every time I went, it was with the friend H. He was with us. So the first time I went, I didn't know where we were going. They said, oh, we're going to go somewhere where they have a steam room, workout room. I didn't know what the bathhouse was. I never heard of the term until I went there. So the first time we went there, I was shocked that something like this exists. Like, what the hell is going on? This is crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was crazy what I saw. So it was a bunch of dudes walking around naked some were naked uh they did have a steam room a pool hot tub workout room they had like little rooms you could rent out they had a sauna so walking through there which that's what they liked to do jesse and h uh, you could see uh, in different rooms, if they were open, you could see dudes in there doing sexual activities. And uh, we rented out a room. We had our own room to put our stuff in, uh, like our bags. We didn't have too, too many things, but uh, we could leave our stuff in that room. So uh, we would walk around and then get in the hot tub and sauna, chill, and then leave. And uh, that's what 
we did when we went to him. So we went there two more times after the initial time. I asked them, like, yo, do they have, like, a co-ed one that we can go to? I don't want to go to this one all the time. Like, let's go to another one. So I guess they looked it up, or they said they looked it up, but said, oh, it's closed or whatever, and probably lying or whatever, or maybe there isn't one that's like that. And why did I go there? Because it's my friends, and that's what they wanted to do. I have a quick question for my brother, real quick. You usually tell me about everything, but you didn't tell me y'all ever went to these bathhouses. So I want to ask if you felt ashamed about going to the to the bathhouse because you never. T- I, I had to find out through the uh, new stuff with everybody else. So is that something you felt ashamed about? You didn't tell me. No, not ashamed, but I just felt like it was part of the story or part of something that I did that didn't need to be told. That's like a new experience for you. Like, if something like that happened to me, I would have told you, like, bro, these motherfuckers took me to (laughs) this freaky-ass place. Like, I didn't know what the hell was going on. That's something I would have told you, you feel me? So So the first time you knew about that was actually in the papers, in the press. Yeah. So why did you not tell your brother? Because I just felt like it was something that I would keep to myself. Like, he didn't need to know that. That's all. But interesting that you share so much together, but you didn't want to tell him that. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, he he wasn't in that circle. He wasn't hanging out with us like that. If he was hanging out with us, you would have <laughs> witnessed it. Still, though. That's a whole new experience. That's something I would have had to share. Something that strange and freaky. Uh, that's something I would have had to share with you. Well, how do you feel about the fact that Ola, your brother, is describing it like that? What, it being freaky or what? Yeah. And he's not wrong. It is a place that's uh, <laughs> freaky. Yeah, it's, it was a new experience. A uh, new crazy experience that I did not know existed. So um, he's right in saying that, I think. When you read it in the press, did you broach Bowler about it? No, not at all. I just, because I would have went too if Jesse took me there, so. You would have? Yeah, like like I said, I'm confident in myself. And that's very interesting to note uh, that you would have gone, you would have gone to it because in the media, they did label you as being homophobic, someone that hates gay people. And could you hate people if you would go to a bathhouse like that? Oh, hell no. A homophobic person would not be dead caught near there or even by gay people or at a gay bar. Right. What was it like to be labeled as homophobic in the press? It was laughable. Not hurtful? No. Why? No. Somebody just calling me words. It's very hard to hurt me with words. Very hard. It was laughable. Why? Because it was far from the truth. (laughs) It was far from the truth. Anybody who knows me knows that's very far from the truth. 
I mean, at first they said I was homophobic too until they switched it around. Like, no, we need to switch the story. It makes more sense if we say he was your gay lover. So at first he, like I said, orchestrated those actors on set to say I was homophobic. Right. But then they, they later made a switched. Whole yeah, they hit 180. Yeah. A whole 180 to now say I was his gay lover. So they didn't even have their story straight. And Bola, it was you at first that they said was homophobic from set. Then it was you, Ola, Mm -hmm. who they said was homophobic. Him, he was homophobic. And the reason why we committed the crime was because my brother found out that I was hanging out with Jussie. So in order to prove that I was not gay with Jussie, I had to attack him with Ola. And actually, it was the press that that told you that Bola was going to a bathhouse with Jussie. Yeah, exactly. When you did hang out with Jesse and you went to the bathhouses, did at any point you feel unsafe? Hell yeah. I did feel a little bit unsafe, but not from Jesse or my friend H, but from the other people in there that I didn't know. I trusted my friend and Jesse. Uh, both of them, my friends. I trusted them. But the other guys, man, they has looked crazy. Like I said, it was a new experience. Ain't no one smiling in there. They look <laughs> they look dangerous in there. So just walking, I was like, man, hey, man, y'all better protect me in here, man, because these people look, uh, they look dangerous. They look like they ready to do whatever. Take anything um, down. To take anything and do anything. So, shit, let me be careful around here. If y'all, y'all got my back, right? <laughs> so I wasn't, I didn't feel unsafe from them, no. Is that something you actually said to them? Yeah, damn yeah. right, yeah. What did like, they say? They're like, no, nah, we got you, man. Ain't, ain't, they, no one's gonna do anything unless you want to do something with them. And yes, they, uh, so Jesse and them, they were comfortable and they I know they probably were bringing me, thinking back on it, they were probably bringing me there to like groom me to see what I would accept, to see what I would do uh, in a situation like that. You're listening to Attacking Jesse, the Oshundairo Brothers story. Hosted and produced by me, Charlie Webster. Alongside producer Jackson McLennan. Research and assistant producer Casey Hertz. Edited by Nico Palella. Seema Graywall is our assistant editor. Theme music by Nico Palella. Additional production by Will Hagel, Nicole Urban, and Stephen Slatton. Executive produced by me, Charlie Webster. This is a Lionsgate Sound production engineered by Pilgrim Media Group. Attacking Jesse.